You are listening to the Business RPG Podcast, a show where you can learn from successful nerds and find the tools that you need to grow your nerdy business or project. I'm your host, Sir Isaac Smith, and this is my invitation for you to meet me. Go ahead, pull out your phone, look me up on Instagram at businessrpg. Give me a follow if you feel like it, but also just reach out. Let me know what you think about the show, what it is you'd like to hear from next as far as niches and industries and also people. I I take recommendations. If you have a nerdy business or project that you think meets the show standards, don't be shy. Reach out. Let me know that you exist and give me an opportunity to introduce myself. I've been meeting people. I love the conversations I have with new listeners and guys, in case I haven't said it before, this show is for my own education as well. So I get, I get a lot out of meeting new nerds and new business entrepreneurs and people who just come to the show. I really, really hope that you take me up on this open invitation. Today's episode is value packed. We have a very well put together guest, but it's also very value packed in the sense that a lot of this episode's content relates to business in general, which is a, an excellent thing. So the question I want to start with for this episode is, have you put any time into writing out a business model? If you're just getting started, have you made one yet? If you've been going for a while, do you have that written somewhere? I have an outline of one, and I I revisit it from time to time. I I have peers that we we just do this as as part of an assignment or a project that we're working on, and every time I do it, it changes a bit. And it changes for the better and it, and it, and it gets better. But when I first started, I mean, my reselling business, I didn't really have something like this put together. It it was in my head. I thought that was enough. And eventually when I started writing things down, I got better and I I didn't realize how important it, it was. And that's one of the favorite things I have about this episode today is how fleshed out the thoughts are when it comes to thinking out your business. Today's guest is Daniel Smith, no relation, a puzzlingpackage.com or Puzzling Package Industries, and he is a master of escape rooms and puzzles and story, and I wanted to have him on the show. It's it's not about him, but I've, I've wanted to have someone in this industry since starting Business RPG, and I got a lot more than I bargained for with Daniel between his thoughts, between how well fleshed out everything is, and just how applicable this episode is to every business. Most of my streams of income now come from online work. I'm not saying I have passive online income. I would love that. But a lot of my income is coming from there, and a lot of what he has to say in this episode applies to my business as well. So it's a very value-packed episode, and I, I really hope you guys get something out of it. You'll notice in this episode, I don't cut out very much from this recording. Uh, I may have episodes where I talk to people for an hour or two hours, and you will only hear about 25 to 35 minutes of that, because that's how much pertains to the topic, or that's how much that we stayed on topic in some cases, but Daniel was very well prepared, and it, there, there was just so much good content here, I decided to leave about 80% of the entire interview. It, it's, it, it was that important to me. I, I really, really enjoyed this content. Guys, also, I should say, at one point, we start to talk about his business that he's doing now and some of the props that are there in. And I'm, I'm just leaving this in there that you can find images to what he's talking about on his website. Link in the show notes below so you can have a better understanding of what we're talking about there. But guys, before the episode starts, be sure you pause right here and scroll up or down till you find the follow button. Make sure that you are following or subscribe to the podcast. And guys, if you'd really, really like to make a difference, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review, that lets me know what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. And it's another way for you to reach out to me if you don't have Instagram. Go ahead and just leave a review or share the show with someone who you know would benefit and enjoy it. Guys, thank you so, so much for your support. Let's start the interview. All right, Daniel, welcome to the Business RPG. Thank you. Having someone like this has been on my list since the show has started to kind of break into this niche. But before I get ahead of myself and start asking the list of questions that I have, go ahead and introduce who is Daniel and what is it that he does? Uh, Daniel is me. Currently, uh, I have a company called Puzzling Package Industries, which 
sends you a box of ephemera and original and new documents that lead you down a, a path and there's a story and a narrative and you get artifacts that you have to solve puzzles to get the full story and, and win the game, you know, quote unquote. Uh, and it come, it goes to your house. You get mail, it gets mailed to you. So the best way to describe it is an escape room at home, but that's not 100% correct. And an escape room, a lot of people might not know what that is. And that's a place where you pay us to lock you into a room to solve puzzles to get out. That's, that's the elevator pitch. Uh, and I uh, worked on those for four years and ran a, a company in Portland. I ran a, a location in Portland for four years um, until the global pandemic hit. The powers that be decided that people trapped in a small space, breathing really close to each other for an hour was not an essential business. I was going to say, I have questions about the the business side, but the, the first question that I, I have, and it's, it's been one that I've actually been trying to answer on my own with no success is that's, that's not a thing you get a degree in, in college. That's not, something that in elementary school they they told us we could be when we grow up. Now that I am older, I think it sounds like an amazing thing to get a degree in and to be when I grow up. But how connect the dots for me. How do does one break into this industry? How does someone become a professional escape room maker? Okay, good question. I'm going to give you a lot of answers because there's a lot of pathways. And I'll I'll end with I'll end with how I got involved. So There are degrees now that one can get in entrepreneurialism. So you can go get a degree as an entrepreneur. Uh, I don't know what that degree is like. I just know it exists. And I wish that it was something that I had gotten. You can be in the haunted house industry and then realize that escape rooms exist and that you're used to building things. And so try and cash in on that. That was a huge part of... We'll, we'll say, you know, six years ago when, when escape rooms were, were getting big, 40, if not 60% of new escape room owners were all like haunt guys or some somehow involved in, in that kind of pop-up um, thing. You can go to an escape room and just say, oh, this is fun. I'll do this and run into it blindly, which is what I would not recommend doing. You could start working as a, a game designer, just, you know, anywhere, which uh, like, cause that's easy as the way I just phrase that as though that's simple. A lot of folks go to an escape room, think, Oh, this is cool. I have an idea. Okay. I'll do it and get to, to X point or get to Y point, And then it shuts down or it fails or it, it, it turns out that they're barely breaking even because they've made you know some basic mistakes, which is going to be the same thing for for any small business. And I'm sure that uh, some of your guests have already said things like that. You know, it's like, oh, I'll open a game store. I know a lot about magic cards. I'll be able to resell those, and then and then we've got Ticket to Ride and Catan. It's not that's not the case, right? Nope. <laughs> so the the founders of the company that I worked with, they went to an escape room. They were like, that was cool. I could do it better. They opened theirs. In my opinion, they did do it better, which I think is rare. Based on a lot of the other ones that I've been to, there were maybe five other companies in the country that I've been to that I would say were better than. There are plenty that were equal to, but maybe five that were, were better and there were a lot that were a lot worse. So these guys had a little bit of a, um, I don't know, a special ingredient or, or kind of whatever, and they were able to make it happen. I got involved. I used to produce theater uh, in New York. I did a lot of that stuff, and I moved up to Portland with zero plan. Um, I had sold a business in Denver uh, that I was doing. Uh, it had gotten to the point where I was successful, uh, and that was ruining my 
everything about my, myself. I hated, I hated it. So I sold it. I got out of town. I moved up here uh, to hang out with a buddy of mine. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I got involved with the escape room company just as like a, a, a game host and was like, oh, this is amazing. And listening to these guys talk and kind of where they wanted to go with the business. It was like, this is something that I would love to uh, latch on to and uh, hang on to the coattails by and that, that kind of stuff. And I have a little bit of small business experience and not to float my own boat. And I won't, I won't quote figures because it'll sound crazy. I got on and we made some, some basic changes in the way we we're doing things. And the amount of ticket sales that we were, were doing uh, increased by quite a bit. And then they were able to open up a second location and kind of all this stuff, right? So how does one get involved in it? I think the same way that anybody gets involved in anything that's not a traditional career path, you know, where you just work your way up from the mailroom, you sort of stumble into it. One of the things that I've been wondering when it comes to escape rooms in general, whether it's the, the kit that you make or it's the ones that you've hosted, is there a basic template? Is there um, any guidelines that you follow? What does it take to actually do an escape room? To like create one and, and to design one? To, to create design and then also to, I guess, host, for lack of a better word. Is okay. there so much that you have to give them in order for it to work? Because I've only been to two. Yeah, so, there's, so that's, a, that's a great question because creating an escape room game is a very different skill set from a, creating an escape room company. And they are not necessarily related in, in any way. Uh, say, do you have a good, bad product? And are you taking advantage of the good, bad product in smart, business-savvy ways? So to create an escape room game, uh, there's a basic template that you can kind of follow. And... There's plenty of books on game design. There's plenty of uh, uh, stuff out there that, that can kind of give you an idea. But essentially, what you want to start off with is, and you can do you can do this in a couple ways, right? So you need you need a storyline so that everything kind of makes sense. You need to go get the um, Declaration of Independence, right? You need to find the Holy Grail. You need to get One-Eyed Willie's treasure, right? Basic kind of storyline like that. Uh, and that usually ties into a theme, right? So generic ones, Sherlock Holmes, find, the, find Moriarty. Break out of jail. You, you're in jail. You need to get out, right? Basic kind of stuff like that. Uh, or you can do something more creative. You know, that's up to, that's up to you guys. Um, and then there's going to be A, B, C, D, E, F, G, however many steps you need to do in order to achieve that goal, right? So if the goal is to find the key to open the treasure chest, then the key needs to be hidden somewhere. In order for you to find where it's hidden, you need to solve a riddle. In order to get the riddle translated from runes into English, you need to find the translation book. In order to find the translation book, you need to get the key that attach, you know, unlocks the file cabinet. However many steps that it takes to get to your end goal, you need to do that. And then you have a tree and your tree is going to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then at the beginning of all of that, you start and you just say, hey, guys, you need to go get the key to the treasure chest, right? That is called a linear game. And I'll, I'll say it right now because I know there's somebody that's listening that is in the escape room industry. There's a lot of terminology that I'm going to use that is not the same that you use because everybody has a different idea of what things mean because the industry is moving so quickly and it's all over the place. We used to rank games based on tier one, two, and three. And then now there's a tier four, and it's based on how much this is in there. And if you read the forums, there's just a lot of debate about it, and I don't care. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to me what it is. So if we define A, B, C, D, E, F, G as linear, right? 
linear. You have to do step A before you get to step B. One of the problems with that is if there's eight people trying to solve something and you have it set up where it's kind of a small thing to solve, theoretically, six of those people are not involved. So now you want to start branching off of this tree. So if you just think of it as a basic kind of flow chart, uh, I'm assuming that everybody's seen those, where you find uh, a note that says, in order to get to the treasure, you need to first decipher the runes, arrange the bones, and discover the flight path of Odin's raven. Do those three things and the treasure will be yours, right? Now all of a sudden I have three things to do. So my group of eight can divide into a, two groups of three and a group of two so that everybody's occupied doing something else and now they have to communicate with each other. So mm. uh, I don't know how well this is translating in, in audio, but now you have A to B and then B to one, B to two and B to three. And then you need to do those three different things to then get to C so that you can move on to, to D, right? So you mapping things out and drawing them as a flow chart to have, this is the map of the game. This is the flow. This is the way this works. Does this logically lead to this uh, is extremely important. And there's going to be certain things that you want to do in terms of gating. Uh, I don't know how many, I don't know if, have you spoken to any like video game designers and stuff? I've had one on actually, that was my last guess I had on. Okay, um, great. Any of those guys will, will talk about gating as, as well. Um, or, or at least in concept where you can't get to this particular zone until you've accomplished this, right? Zelda was very good about it until Breath of the Wild, and Breath of the Wild just let you do whatever. But you can't defeat the whatever temple until you get the slingshot. Then you can't get to this side quest until you have these boots. So you have to do X, Y, and Z to level up to whatever point. Um, one of the reasons that that exists in video games is to make them more interesting, but also make sure you don't go into a place that you're, you know, you're just going to die immediately. For escape rooms, a lot of it is dragging out time or making sure that you're keeping folks located in, if you have a multi-room game, you're keeping folks in room one until you want everybody to move into room two. So one of the questions you can ask yourself is, what is the experience that I want the guests to have, right? Which mm -hmm. kind of goes back to the story. Maybe your first three or four puzzles should be pretty basic so that A, people feel accomplished. They understand that, yes, if I do this thing, then something else will happen. Uh, and so, and to kind of teach them how the game works because most people haven't played an escape room. The one escape room I did for the first time, we actually solved, if we're going in this linear pattern, we solved the puzzle for step D ahead of B and we did it by accident. Um, I, I found a key underneath a statue that I wasn't supposed to find yet. And I just guessed where it went and I was right. That's a really great experience that you had for our conversation today. Not so much for the game that you were playing, but for our conversation today, that's a great thing. You having access and being able to find that thing without knowing what it is. It's a flaw in that game. Right. So there's steps that could be taken to prevent that, to gate you mm -hmm. from having access so that it doesn't throw you off uh, as, as players in, in sort of your mind. A big piece of advice I can give to everyone in the world about anything that they're trying to do is people will not react the way that you expect them to. And more often than not, they won't react the way that they should because they come from all different walks of life and they have different backgrounds and they have different experiences and they've played every single Zelda game four times or they've never played a video game outside of Minesweeper ever. And so concepts and ideas are something that are going to be over their head. One of the problems that we ran into a lot was a lot of people think that they're stupid 
because they were told that they were dumb or not bad at math or something in their life has caused them to think that they are incapable of figuring things out because schools don't really teach critical thinking and they don't really teach a whole lot of logic. Uh, and so a lot of, there'll be a lot of self-deprecating jokes where it's like, as long as there's no math or, you know, I can't do math or, Oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be good. I'm just going to sit in the corner because I'm, I'm going to be no good at this thing. Right. Which I feel like that's a whole other episode is talking about why people think that about themselves. But in designing the game for me, my goal is above everything else is that they have fun. Whether they win or lose, they should have fun. B, I want everybody to win. And I want them to do it in exactly 59 and a half minutes. If it's a 60 hour game, it should be 59 and a half minutes. Because then you're getting your full money's worth. It was challenging enough. Your blood pressure got to rise in the last like five minutes because you didn't think you were going to make it. And then you did, and then you cheer and scream, and your endorphins are all over the place, right? That's, for me, is, is the goal. So does this person who thinks that they can't do anything, you got to make sure that there's an opportunity for them to be successful. So some of those e easier puzzles earlier on is really important. You also want to split your tree into different groups so that people are forced to do different things and that one person can't dominate everything. I'm sure, I'm sure that you know that one kind of nerd person out there who's a little bit holier than thou and, you know, and they know everything, but they, they don't. And they will <laughs> take things out of people's hands and, and you know, be a little bit bullyish. You want to make sure that this person who doesn't feel confident about themselves has a, has a really good time. So multiple things for multiple people to do and make sure that it, it, it goes on. And that was, that was something that we ran into at the beginning uh, of the company was we had less puzzles than other companies, but they were more challenging. And so you were working on the same puzzle for 10 or 15 minutes. And it was still engaging and people were still having fun, but one puzzle for 15 minutes isn't as good as three puzzles in five minutes because mm -hmm. then it's something new. So finding that challenge of, hey, maybe we, we bring the, the difficulty level down or we up the signposting that we do or there's a little bit more uh, help available to them something like that to to push them along to make sure that they're they're getting there but not feeling like you're doing it for them but that they are having an aha moment where they figure something out that's extremely important because that's what people want people want to feel good about themselves and their abilities and be proud of what they've done and then go to the bar and be like oh man you remember that time that we did the thing and then i put this there oh what did you do? I was I was on the other side of the room. What was happening? Oh, well, check this out. We had these easy access cards, and we had to cross these wires, and this thing opened, and there was a statue in there, and under the statue, there was a key, and then that got, and that's how I had the key to open the thing you were working on. That's the reaction that you want to have. Hey, guys, wanted to jump in here real quick. Podcasting is something I do more than just for business RPG, where I try to learn and educate and, to some degree, entertain you guys. But it's something I do as a trade. See, what I do is I help businesses and projects generate exposure, develop professional networks, and attract and retain quality audiences and customers through the power of podcasting. It's an amazing tool. And, and if it's worth some of your time to learn more about what I do, or if you just have some questions about getting started or about the industry in general, I would love to meet you. Go ahead and email me, sir.isaac.smith at gmail.com, or find me on Instagram at businessrpg. Send me your questions, send me whatever you got, and I will respond. Let's go back to the interview. Do you have to worry about a turnover rate then if you have a need to keep things fresh. Like you said, it's better to have three puzzles in 15 minutes than one because it's something new. 
Do you ever have to worry about repeat customers and how often you need to introduce new puzzles in order to keep those return customers? Yeah, man. Sucks. So this is the, so here's, let's, this is a better tangent than, than hosting. Uh, If we don't get to it, I'll say, as far as hosting goes, be patient, be gracious, be excited, be helpful. Don't give too much away. Be a good person when you're hosting escape rooms and let them have fun. We can talk about it more if we need to, but. There was a point and click adventure on the internet that was escape the room. And then people really liked it. And then somebody said, oh, we can do this in real life. And then somebody played it and was like, this is amazing. Uh, Let's do it. And now it's a global phenomenon. So, I mean, I haven't, I haven't hosted an escape game for a year and a half. Right. But even after the business being open for five years and having seen thousands of players and there being uh i think at at peak there were 15 other companies in the portland metro area about 80 percent of our guests had never played an escape room and about 40 percent of those had never heard of one 60 percent of everybody that hadn't played thought that it was going to be like the movie saw the biggest challenge that you have if you're thinking about starting an escape room is, is customer education. This is what, not, not, hey, my company exists and this is a place that you can go to do an escape room. But hey, escape rooms exist and they are fun. They are more often than not, not scary and we will take care of you and you're going to have a nice time and it's worth the amount that you're going to pay which seems unreasonable because it's twice as much as a movie and lasts half as long that kind of customer education was the biggest challenge then someone comes in and they have an amazing time and now they're hooked and then that weekend they come back and they play the other two games that you have because you've got three games in your location. They play the other two games that you have and then they go, oh, well, is there another company in town that I can go to? Can you direct me towards your competitors? When is your new game coming up? Oh, eight to 12 months from now? Okay, well, I'll get on the mailing list, I guess, right? You can't have regulars. You can't count on, I know that 20 people are going to come in here once a week and, and drop a little bit of cash, and that's going to pay for one of my staff members' payroll. You can't have that kind of, of steadiness because it takes so much time and effort to set up a, a game that A, you're proud of, but also B, people would want to come back and experience something else like. So as far as turnover goes... You, you kind of have to have like one new game per year unless you have put in so much you know, time and energy and, and cash that people are flying into town just to play your game. Right? If, you're in a, if you're in a super tourist-heavy town and most of your, um, most of your business is from tourism... Uh, where it's like I just need something for the kids to do in the air conditioning for an hour. Then, then you're then you're probably going to be okay. You know what I mean? Let, let's say I have the aptitude, I have the creativity, and I have whatever else it's going to take as far as puzzle creation side to get done. What's the next step? What is the business model behind escape rooms? So. I, I want to preface with saying I'm not a titan of the escape room industry. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a mogul, but there's some some kind of basic things that I that I understand. Um, the first is going to be a universal piece of advice, and I think is going to be helpful for anybody trying to do anything that listens to your show. Not necessarily everyone is going to be into the same stuff that you are. So you just need to accept that not everybody's going to be excited about an escape room. And if you want to do a horror-themed escape room, you're cutting off 50% of your audience. If you're doing a pirate-themed escape room, 
Some people don't care about pirates. There's going to be stuff that folks aren't jazzed about. And you need to know going into it that not everyone is going to want to come to what you're doing. So with that being said, you need to figure out the way to get the most people excited about it. Oh, you know what? Before that, do this. Why are you starting an escape room? Are you doing it because you want to create an amazing experience and have extremely challenging puzzles and have fans of escape rooms and enthusiasts rank you as number one? Or are you just trying to make cash? Or do you want a sustainable business that's going to last Right, because answering answering those is really good. I've played escape rooms, and it's super obvious that someone rented retail space and slapped some IKEA and Goodwill stuff in there so that they could make a quick buck. I've played games where it's super obvious that they really wanted to create the most amazing curated experience that they possibly could, and I thought it was amazing. And people I was with hated it because it was too whatever direction, and then. I played middle of the line games where like everybody had a really nice time. So ask yourself why you're, why you're doing this thing. Because if you're trying to cater to escape room enthusiasts, a lot of other people are going to get super alienated. Most of our business, like I said, was people who had not done an escape room before. So in order to get started, I was thinking about this. What would I do if I was opening up a brand new escape room now? I would identify like the market saturation. Like I was saying, there's 15, there, or there was pre-pandemic 15 companies in town that we were competing with. Well, it, it seems like a lot, but if there's 3 million people in town and you can only book 50 games a week and there's 15 other games... There's a lot of people that can come and play. And you are going to run into that situation where people go play a game, run out of everything that company has to offer, and then want to do more. And so they're going to find you that way through word of mouth and getting addicted to it. So go and visit the competition. Play all of their games. Make friends. Be friendly. Be excited. Be a good person. Also just good advice. Because you're going to run into challenges and you're going to need help and advice and you want friendly relations with other people. There's, it's the same reason that, that bar owners are friends with each other. So after you've gone and examined the competition, figure out if there's a gap that needs to be filled because that's, that's an easy way to success. If there's three companies in town, one of them is kind of basic and has like, oh, you need to find... Uncle Alvin's inheritance letter and Sherlock Holmes needs you to get to Mariarty and you're, you need to break out of prison. Like those are their games. Well, then you have a really great opportunity to tap into the action adventure genre. And so now all of a sudden you can rip off Indiana Jones and you can rip off national treasure and see if you can fit in into that gap. Or maybe there's, maybe there's a, a, a company that is all big, you know, uh, set pieces and it's, it's all of this big stuff and you can be a little bit more intellectual, right? Or, or you can throw comedy in or something like that, right? Identify that gap and see if it's something that you're excited about filling. If you're excited about it, other people will be too. So then find a location, uh, easy to get to this. And this is, uh, so much of this is just Good, good advice for a lot of things. Is it centrally located? What is the parking like? Because if you have three teams of 10 and each of them, you know, brought their own car, are, are they going to be able to find parking? Are they going to get a ticket while they're playing your game and then have a negative experience because they got a ticket while, while they were locked in your room? Is it in a sketchy part of town? Are you doing an escape room in the bottom of like a, in the basement of a dentist's office with a, with a sign that that's taped on the, the window? And that's never, this hasn't ever happened to me before. That's uh, like masking tape and handwritten that says, this is where the escape room is. Because a lot of people aren't going to be excited about that situation. 
Is there other stuff to do around you? People are going to want to eat and drink before and or after. So can you become a destination for them so that then they can have date night or party night or it's like, oh, hey, it's my birthday. I want to go eat here. Then we're going to go to the escape room. Then we're going to have drinks here. And it's all within two blocks and parking is super easy. So you've just made it very You've, you've made your guest decision very simple. What's the square footage like? Do you have at least one restroom, if not two? Is there a lobby and a waiting area that can handle 30, 40 people? Do you have enough room that you can build an escape room in there? Right, And some of that's counter to, to the... The location that you're going to find. One of the reasons a lot of escape rooms are in sketchy areas is because they need these industrial sized spaces to to build as much as they can. Because all of it is all of it is going to directly affect rent, which is going to be your number one cost. How much effort do you have to put into it? Is this already built up in a in a way that you can design rooms and games for how you need to be? Can groups be separate in the lobby? so that there's no spoilers? Is there a reception area? Or are you going to have to put in six months of work to readjust where the fire sprinkler is and put up these walls and doors and then pass all of the code? Because all of that takes an unreasonable amount of time. Anything that you're expecting to spend and any time you're expecting to spend, I mean, at least add 50%, if not more, for your expectations. Hire someone at the very beginning of your venture to at least educate you, if not do it for you, about SEO, search engine optimization, which is how you show up on your Google page. Hire the right person. Spend more money than you would like. Don't find somebody off of Craigslist that says, oh yeah, I can do that. Figure out what domain names are available so that you can have a good website URL. It's easy to spell. People know how to pronounce it. People know how to spell it. It will autocorrect correctly. It explains what you do. It will help with the, the SEO. It's not too clever. You're not trying to make a... Uh, a, a a big splash in terms of we're so creative. If you have an opportunity to keep it simple, my opinion is that you should. It should be basic so that someone can say, oh yeah, it's them. Not, oh, what was their name? Or I don't know, you'll find it on the internet. And then they can't. One of the reasons that that's important is because as a business owner, particularly now, you need to be very concerned with the customer experience from start to finish. And it's, for them, it starts as soon as they say, oh, I'd like to investigate an escape room. If they find you easy and you have a better looking website than everybody else that explains what you are and how you do and there's photos of people having fun and it's easy to figure out information and find the FAQ and there's a lot of options for them to book it's going to help and then you have then you have this opportunity are you going to purchase or design your own escape room because there's companies out there that you can just buy a turnkey escape room where they'll come in and they'll install everything for you and it's already designed and so that's super easy some of them will even provide marketing what a, how cool is that? Then there's going to be some people that will give you a PDF plan and then you need to figure it out. Um, there's also, okay, so you've decided to design your own. Are you going to purchase components from people who have built them and put the electronics together and whatever? How easy is the install for that? What's the backup? Do you know how to code? Can you do Arduino? Can you do a Raspberry Pi or are you going to buy some luggage locks and attach those on? How many different kinds of master locks do you want to use? Should this be 
a four combination or a three mm. combination lock? Where are you sourcing your supplies from? How much effort are you going to put into the decoration? Am I going to go to your escape room that's supposed to take place in a penthouse of an international assassin who's stolen a diamond and then pick up his flower pot and look at the bottom and see a barcode that says goodwill 299 because that that breaks some of the immersion for me so there's a lot of these weird things that you need to think about and i'm serious about that wiring and how long it's going to take you so do you know a guy that can help you with the wiring how busy is that person is she going to be able to put her whole life on hold for the three weeks that it takes to design this thing? How much wire did you actually buy? How much lumber did you actually buy? Because you need to put up a false wall. Are you able to weld? Because maybe that's necessary for this thing. Are you going to be able to haul, of the, haul all of that from Home Depot or, or get a delivery? After you've gone to all of the haunted house supply company uh, and theatrical, you know, set design supply company, how much is that stuff going to cost and how much are you going to need? Because it's a lot to think about if you're going to design your own. So for me right now, I don't code. I don't program. Uh, the guys that, that founded the company I was working for. They taught themselves how to do that, which is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen because they relied on other people um, and the other people did not follow through. And so they had to get in there and make it happen for themselves, which I, I think is, is, is one of the most admirable things that I've ever, I've ever seen anybody do because what you have to understand is that A, nobody is going to care about your business as much as you. No one will. No one will put in the time and effort. No one is, is concerned and has as, as big a sense of urgency as you do. It's just the way that it is. So before you get to the point where you're having fun and designing puzzles and like installing stuff and coming up with themes, opening a business, you got to figure out all of that stuff and, and make sure you have that budget. If you want to start small and build, like, you know what, I'm going to open up a, a, a less impressive game that's going to be fun, but it's just not going to wow anybody and then build to the point where now I can afford and sort of learn as you go, then you need to, you need to be ready to invest three or four years or whatever it is so that you can get to that point and knowledgeable. And you're also going to need to hire the right staff so that they are helpful and patient and friendly and they are uh, available to to put in that extra time to teach people how to solve puzzles and stuff they aren't going to care about your business as much as as you do but they should still care that the guests have a nice time that they're being taken care of because uh, it's very much a service industry thing and, and do they have that kind of patience one big question I have, and this kind of, I'd like to focus on what you do right now, is how is it different with the escape rooms compared to what it is you're doing now? How much of that business model, I mean, shipping, of course, but how much of that business model and that um, job outlook is different? Sure. So what I'm doing now, I decided to start... Um, it's kind of a, a hobby to see what it is. And I had a very similar experience where I got a box in the mail that was kind of a mystery and I went through it and it was fun. I was like, oh, that was cool. But I bet I could do this better if I added X, Y, and Z. And now there's a there's a, quite a few other companies that do it. And so for me, to be honest with you, it's, it's a bit of a hobby right now just because of the way the pandemic affected everything in my life. Uh, I'm sure no one can sympathize. Uh, (laughs) here and there in in terms of of what I had to do. But so the the general gist of of what uh, Puzzling Package Industries does is I have a cardboard box. Inside that box, there is a, a series of documents that set the stage. So, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, 
let me tell you about the one I would an award for. So it's called the Runes of Odin. Uh, I did a ancestry test. I found out that a lot of me is is uh, Nordic, and I was like, cool. So I was reading more about that, and I was like, this is awesome. Uh, there was a well that Odin hung himself above and stared into for seven days so that the fates would share their magic with him so that he could become more powerful. The magic came in the form of runes, which is where that alphabet comes from. And that's how that was gifted to the world. I was like, oh, that's insane. <laughs> but I'm not interested in looking for the Ark of the Covenant, Covenant or the Holy Grail. So I need a MacGuffin. Finding these runes seems pretty cool. And so I started reading about rune casting and I started reading about uh, mythology and um, how and magic uh, spelt differently from you know the other way and and weird W Y R D which is fate and weaving and kind of all of this. And I was like, this is a really interesting kind of rich tapestry that I don't see a whole lot of um, in media. So there's a company that is looking for the runes. And they've essentially given up and they're like, ah, so they've sold off all of their old assets to make a profit because they're greedy. And so you've essentially inherited this cold case. And so there's this text chat between people like, oh, hey, I stumbled upon this thing. I'm looking for these runes. Da, da, da. And they're like, oh, you shouldn't even mess with that. First of all, you need to know older and younger Futhark. And you got it. So it's just a waste of time. But it, it dictates these are the things that you need to do. And there was actually a guy about 100 years ago that was on the trail. And we have all of his original documents. And we have artifacts that he's found. But we couldn't piece them together. So we threw them in this box and we forgot about it. So that's your basic standard you know, printer paper photocopy that you get that's on top. Then there's documents that are aged. So they're, you know, they're props. And handmade and handcrafted stuff there's uh um let's see how do i describe it without a spoiler there's wooden pieces that that are are carved that you need to manipulate in a way to solve one of the puzzles you get uh runes and a booklet that tells you how to rune cast so you can use divination magic for yourself right and have that become part of your life but it's also part of the puzzle there's a, a scroll on paper, and then I'm going to step away from the microphone for two seconds to grab this thing to show you. Sure. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, that's real, and this is hand-carved, uh, and this is part of the game. And then you can stick this on your mantle. So, this is, so when I talk about artifacts and props, this is one of the things. Uh, I've deliberately not named what it is, to keep a little bit of mystery for the, for the folks out there. But the idea is to have this experience in your house. And so it takes three days or six hours or however long it takes you to do that. So you can spread out and do research and actually feel like you are a researcher. So there's not an hour time limit. Uh, there's more of an opportunity to tell a narrative which is a huge struggle in escape rooms because nobody wants to read or, or experience the narrative. They want to play the game. And I wanted to tell more of a narrative. And that's the award that I won. I won the Bullseye Award for Best Narrative of the Year from uh, um, Escape the Rumors. There's an opportunity to have, oh, there's 20 sheets of story and, and information here. And then that ties into this. So you can get drawn into the world and feel like a researcher. And some of it's a little bit mundane and not as pertinent to the game because it, I didn't want to create a game. I wanted to create an experience, which is something I've spoken on, on a couple other podcasts I've, I've, I've interviewed on. It should be an experience that you get in the mail, you open up and there's you're you're filled with wonder as you look and stuff and how can i piece this together and then you have this opportunity to 
solve it. There's an online hint system. So if you get stuck and you feel like you're no good at puzzles, it's going to walk you through everything. Um, believe it or not, I'm very responsive to email and will help people out if the hint system even fails because I don't have anything else to do and I want people to have a nice time. You've, you've just solved like two of the major people I have on my Christmas list. So this is perfect. Oh, great. Let's throw out a discount. Let's throw out a discount code. I didn't even think about. I didn't even think about this. This is how you can tell it's a, it's a hobby, and that I I have another job that I, I focus on. Well, Daniel, this has been a very educational and also very fun episode. Where can people find you, and where can people follow what you're doing? www.puzzlingpackage.com, and we have a Facebook page, and there's an Instagram, and they're just puzzling package reaching out to the the business that way is is going to be a, a, the easiest way to get in, in touch with, with what I'm doing now with that, without a doubt just puzzling package industries puzzlingpackage.com super easy Daniel I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on the show and have this conversation with me to share your expertise and your insight and your experience And guys, I really hope you got something out of this too. This was an excellent episode. If you would like 20% off of an order from Puzzling Package Industries or PuzzlingPackage.com, you can use the code BUSINESSRPG at checkout. That is BUSINESSRPG, all one word, for 20% off of your order. Guys, I do not get a kickback. I do not get a commission from this code. This is his gift to us. So go ahead and go over there and check it out. Link in the show notes below. And this code is active until the end of August 2021. So you have until then to check it out. And if you'd like to reach out to him, you can contact him through the website. Reach out and he will respond. It's, it's, it's an excellent way to get in touch with him. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Next week's episode, I am excited. I'm trying not to say too much, but it is going to be a very good episode with a very familiar voice. Um, so far, I think it is maybe one of the most favorite episodes as far as from the listener base, based off of what I see in the statistics. I'm going to stop talking there. Guys, I hope that you have an excellent week. And until next time, I hope you enjoy. Enjoy.